Welcome to Men in This Town, the podcast. I'm Giuseppe Santamaria, and for over a decade, I've been photographing men's street style in various towns around the world, looking for those whose dress sense speak volumes about who they are. In this podcast, I take a closer look at those men by bringing them into the studio for a portrait and having a chat about their particular approach to the many facets of life. In this episode, I welcome fellow photographer Frederick McHenry to the studio. Originally from South Atlanta, Frederick always felt like he was being put into a box growing up. He knew there was more outside of where he was being told to stay, and it took crossing the Pacific Ocean and landing himself in South Korea to see what he had been missing. Freddy XX, as he's known on the gram, takes us on a wild journey in this episode, sharing how he went from selling designer streetwear in college to make extra cash, to then modeling it, and now shooting it for the likes of Hypebeast and GQ Japan. Head over to meninthistown.com to view selects from our portrait session. And in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the conversation that took place. Yeah, just so straight into the mic. Can yeah. you hear yourself? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, just like that. Cool. Comfy. And all right, Frederick, let's start. Uh, we'll kind of start the interview with just introducing yourself, your name, age, and what you do for a living. Um, yeah, my name is uh, Frederick McHenry, but I go by... Um, at this point, I go by so many aliases. Uh, Freddie Mac is the like the classic one that I've been just going by the name that people most people know me as from overseas, not Australia really. Um, and now, you know, um, Kanji Kill Swag on Instagram is kind of um, the name that most people recognize me from, mm. like just from my user tag on um, Instagram. Um, also. Funny enough, similar to you, I used to have a fashion blog that was really popular um, back in 2011, 2012, 2013. Yeah. Early days. Yeah, the yeah. early days. So I was shooting street style as well and met a lot of um, cool <laughs> people who kind of really blew up over the past like five, six years mm. um, through, through street style. Um, all the, a lot of people. Um, yeah, so... Kanjika Swag, and then uh, now my new phase is Freddie XX, which is like my director um, name that I'll be kind of like putting my name on projects that I'm, I'm doing as, as like visual projects, more specifically like um, a music video. Um, so I'll be coming out with my first music video. Well, not my first music video, but I directed a music video about six months ago and we'll be coming out with it. Um, That's exciting. That's something yeah. to play with new ways of creating is always an exciting thing isn't it yeah yeah some something out i mean i feel like a camera is just one medium mm. so um you know and you're a designer so there's so many different ways to communicate and and share your story but also like your perspective and your 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 vision and um yeah i think if you're a creative you have tools to your to your disposal to kind of use you know and i think that's more so rather than being a photographer or a videographer or whatever you're a creative person that just needs to express themselves whenever the tool is yeah i have to yeah if i, I if, if i if i don't like it's kind of i don't like to use the word depressive so 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 freely because it's like that's something serious people deal with mm. 
But uh, I feel like, yeah, if I'm not in the space where I'm either being inspired or um, or I'm able to create like properly. Um, yeah, it just it doesn't feel like me, you mm. know. I feel like I'm in a box or something, like kind of like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very contained box. Yeah. Well, I guess where does that? And all I'm the come? only one listening to my ideas, you know. That's kind of <laughs> how it feels. So yeah. I hear you. Well, where does that all come from? Where Where are you from initially? Yeah. Um, I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia. That's my hometown. I was born there, um, in the city of Atlanta, um, and. Um, I grew up there pretty much my whole life. Um, actually, my whole life I grew up there. I did travel a little bit just for, like, summer vacations and stuff like that when I was younger. Um, just with, like, my granddad. He would, like, have me and my brother and my cousins, like, travel to California or Hawaii or we'd go to the Caribbean islands and stuff like this. So that that happened quite early mm-hmm. um, in my in my earlier in my life. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm originally from Atlanta, um, lived there till I was like 24, got an opportunity to work in Korea in 2011. Uh, Where did that come from? <laughs> like, yeah, what, were you I know, sorry, something? it's a big jump. It's yeah, a big, big jump. jump. It's uh, like going from Atlanta <laughs> to Korea. It's like, yeah, what, um, what did you do in school? Uh, yeah, actually in school, I, I was like one of those people who didn't want to get out of school, Yeah, yeah. especially cause in like 2008 to, you know, the big, mm, like, yeah. yeah, the recession hit. So I was like, how can I like stay here as long as possible? So I did like everything from studying Spanish to, uh, marketing to like taking film classes to, uh, sociology to like everything. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I was doing a lot of stuff. You know, I, I had like almost enough credits for two degrees. Um, but yeah, I ended up I, during that time. I was not very unsure about like what my future was going to look like, you know, and what I wanted to do. So um, I kind of you know, I was like bartending at the time at these nightclubs and in like little bars in the, in the city. And I ended up meeting like I knew this girl and she had told me about this program where you can teach English in Korea Mm. and you know for me like it was always my my passion to want to travel to other places and it was I wouldn't say passion it was my it became a passion but it was originally just like a dream you know what I'm saying and um and I ended up um just kind of like following through with that and she said there's some program you can do and just look it up and just coincidentally one of my really good friends she was traveling to um abu dhabi to you know to do a teaching program there mm. and i was like damn all my friends are leaving you know and this is like this is 2010 us not a lot of opportunities at the time for especially for somebody like 22 years old 23 years old yeah. so i was like okay what, what can i do maybe i'll try it and i applied and and at the time it's funny enough i was already I was already working in like inner city schools, um, kind of like as a, I would say like a teacher's assistant, but I was more so coming in in the morning and like helping, like maybe the first class I would be, you know, um, talking to the kids, reading them a book or something like this. And then the summertime, I was like a basketball coach yeah. for like inner city um, or even not just inner city, but like it could be various uh, areas and you know I was doing a lot of stuff you know I was young like just doing a lot and um, 
Yeah. Okay. How can I go fast forward? No. Yeah. It's so from there. So teaching. Yeah. So I got into teaching. Yeah. Way I to kind of get over in to, Korea. Yeah. Yeah. I got there. Um, very, very fortunate to go there because a lot of stuff happened that I wasn't supposed to go. And but that's been a big culture shock for you to kind of have gone to Korea. Yeah, shortly. it was definitely a culture shock. Like going there, my mom was like, you could just do it. And I was like, I'm leaving here. I'm getting out of here because I can't take this. They put me in the middle of nowhere. First time in my life, I'm like surrounded by, I'm the only like foreigner, yet alone the only black person in 2011 traveling, mm. living in Korea. It wasn't too many there at the time. And it just was like, whoa, like, you know, but it was crazy because that was like that was probably one of the best times in my life living in Korea. Like like highlights, if I could go to any highlight points, there was highlights all over, but the Korea highlight, like that was like first time I'm like literally can do what I want, be who I want, learn what I want. And fending for yourself for the first time or were you, had you moved out already from home? Oh, I was, I had left the, my, my home at 18. Oh yeah, right. So yeah, right. didn't really have an option, I felt. So yeah. Yeah, um, I left at 18, and um, from 18, I, you know, um, yeah, I was just kind of doing my own thing. For why, a while. why the kind of such the um, such a goal to kind of leave home? Where do you think that comes from? Can I be? Well, be Please be I'll honest. Be, I'll be a bit honest. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just kind of. I mean, like 2020 brought like a lot of realizations for a lot of people, like and and, and kind of um, showed the world kind of like what like african-americans go through in the u.s especially in like certain parts of the u.s um and kind of growing up i always felt like there's two sides to it like there's one side that views like certain people in certain ways and then there's another side that views people i mean it's another side that um well society views certain types of people in a certain way and then there's another side where like my own culture views has views that's so strong that it kind of doesn't allow you to change form, right. you know, and it kind they kind of mold you to be a certain way where, you know, if everybody's listening to this type of music and dressing like this, then mm. you kind of have to look and do that too, or else you, you're not like, you know, so I, I kind of felt that my whole life growing up, not that I was the one on the outside, but I always felt like I was the one on the outside, not because I was not, cool maybe i felt like i was cooler than them mm. but and i just seen things that they didn't and i never felt like i could really shake and break that mold yeah. while i was there so that's probably i would say that was the biggest thing was that like my own culture is kind of pressure i feel like it was like a diamond like i was like a diamond under pressure you know uh, not diamond sorry coal under pressure and mm. it was just like forming this diamond almost and um yeah and i just knew like i wasn't gonna be able to shine like how i like how I was able to shine over the past 10 years, um, you know, somewhere else. So uh, I just I just kind of wanted to get out of America. The other side is that, you know, how I've always had him. I'm from the South, so I always had in the back of my mind that, you know, things weren't really made for or things weren't created for, for us to, like, enjoy. So I, that was one of the main reasons I left. And specifically in America, you feel like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and it, you can go to New York. I mean, there's certain areas in New York where everybody's Cosmo and everything's flowing, but then you can go to LA or California where everybody loves to go. And then you see it, you can see it, you know, the mm. disproportionate wealth and stuff like this. So I, I never really felt like, um, yeah, America was <laughs> for me so much. So and I never really had a dream to go back either Yeah, outside to see my family. 
it, it, it takes a lot for someone to push through that. I yeah. mean, where do you think you get that, that, that strength from? My mom is from originally from New York, and my dad's from Atlanta. Like, my dad's whole family's from Atlanta. So, um, yeah, it was never really encouraged for us to travel. I mean, like, they, they it, for my mom, it was like, if you can do it, do it, you know? And, and if the opportunity's there, why not take it? So, but it was never, like, no one was pushing us to travel. And mm-hmm. even to this day, like, like my granddad's never been on a plane. You know, yeah. he passed away, like, what, two years ago now? or And he had never been on a plane, so... You know, it kind of, like, speaks volumes to, like, the mindset that maybe some people had, mm. you know. And also, it's like the Southern mentality is, like, it's conservative, you know. P- contrary to popular belief, like, the South is a conservative place where don't go too far from home. Everything's, you know, you're familiar with everything. Let's keep it this way. Mm. So that that kind of was, yeah, I didn't really have too much encouragement. I think it was my granddad, you know, um, he... You know, similar to my story, I guess I'm kind of following his footsteps. Hopefully, not 100%. He's a good person, though. Um, still to this day, my my other granddad, he's actually living in Thailand right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Northern Thailand, um, in Chiang Mai. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I think it, it kind of like he, in the 70s from Vietnam War, like he just ended up joining the military. He traveled, he did his thing, and you know, he you know, and just kind of like. <laughs> didn't really look back and did yeah. a little bit of influence there that's yeah either subconscious or yeah kind well of he fight. showed us he showed us that you know what the things that you're experiencing you know here and in, in what you feel in your city that you're from or in this country america he lived in california for a long time too uh, san francisco but um, all these things that you experiencing, like, I'm going to show you something different. And it was the first time that I went anywhere where I had people from different races that was my friend. It was, I think, the the biggest one. I, we went on a cruise, and I met people from New York from the first time. And I met people from, you know, from Dominican Republic. And I met people from Canada, you know. Mm-hmm. And I met people from all over that, w- that was on the ship. And we all was, like, different friends from different backgrounds, different colors. And that for me was like, whoa, mm. I don't have that back home. It's either black and that's it, or, you know, the white is there. And we don't really mix like that, especially in the South. Yeah. Now they do, but like 20, 30 years ago, not really, right? Yeah. It's still kind of segregated in the way people socialize. Um, so that was like first time I was like, damn, like, this is so different. Like, I'm learning this. And I'm, and I said, and back in the day, they used to have these group chats you can call in and, and you can be on the phone talking, you can be on the phone talking to, People, you don't even know where they're at, but it was like these chat rooms. I don't yeah. know if you remember yeah. though. You get <laughs> it's a, a big memory just burst in my head. Yeah, the they had those chat. You call in and you be, I'd be sneaking on my little prepaid cell phone that I bought from Verizon Wireless. It was like twenty dollars or something, or Virgin Virgin Mobile. Yeah, yeah. It was like twenty bucks. You can get the phone and then you get a little stick, a little card in there, and charge it up. And um, it's weird how much the technology has changed in such a short time. <laughs> Yeah, chat rooms. Uh, yeah. Jeez. Um, yeah, so I was on those chat rooms, and, like, I was just talking to people from everywhere. You mm-hmm. could t- you can dial into the California chat room and talk to somebody there. And I was like, man, like, what? Like, it just kind of for the – that was the first time, like, my mind kind of, like, went somewhere else. And I was like, whoa, okay. Maybe. My mom is telling me to go get a job at this chicken, this chicken restaurant. And I'm like, nah. Nah, there's more for you there. I'm like – I don't know why I should be aiming low like this one. I've already seen and know that there's something else bigger out there. 
and the things I was interested in, I've always been interested in fashion. Mm -hmm. So working as a fashion photographer, actually, that wasn't even in my mind, to be honest. I was just styling and I was selling clothes like True Religions and Rockin' Republics and Citizen Denim Jeans. And, you know, I was selling this type of stuff. Acne, I mean, not acne, um, antique um, these oh, yeah. brands from back in like the two thousand or mid two thousands that were really popular, like mm. these designer brands, right? Um, designer denim, and I was selling that in Atlanta to like people and artists and musicians mm. and like was that your high school kids? Was <laughs> that your introduction to fashion? Like, where did that come from initially? That didn't happen till like later. So at the time, I didn't know I was what I was doing. What I you was, were selling? Yeah. I was just trying to make money because I didn't want to work at the chicken shop. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to work at the. the I didn't want to do the things that mom, you know, that I seen my mom do. You know what I'm saying? She was working hard, so I didn't want to kind of do those things. That I wanted to work hard, but not in the the typical get a job and just pay bills. You mm-hmm. know, I wanted to do something I like doing, so I was like, man, let me just do this. I can bartend in the day, use that money to buy buy the jeans for cheaper, and then like from a friend who's a wholesaler, and then I can buy them cheaper. From him, he'd give me a good deal because he knew I was in college and mm. trying to make money. So he just boom, boom, take these, take these, take these. <laughs> he'd give me this much money for it. And then I would go sell them to everybody. So I had like a, if, funny enough, if you go on Facebook right now and type in I-S-E-L-L, like I sell, mm. and then J-E-A-N-S, jeans, that's my Instagram. I mean, that's my Facebook <laughs> page rich. from 2006 2007 that's my facebook page i was selling no denim way. jeans out that's early on isn't it you man i was platform. i've been in the game <laughs> i've been in the game for a long time i'm so so old school in the game first first for early marketing on social media yeah 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 so that's my page um amazing let me check that out <laughs> yeah so dude, where did your actual personal style come from and what was the influence kind of like at yeah, the time at the um, time yeah so at the time i was you know, I was I was really I was alternative because like I grew up on the like the black side of Atlanta. Like and I know for your audience, they might be like, why is he saying black side mm. or white side? It's but the north side, is it? Or the black side is the south side. south side. So that's where I'm from, South Side Atlanta, South Southwest Atlanta. And um so it's just black people, right? Mm. And black people have in the South have a very specific style that's like you know, I was growing up, it was hip-hop culture, right? Mm. And, like, hip-hop and rap culture and southern rap culture, Outkast and, you know, Goody Mob, if you know who that is. And it was, like, T.I. And, like, I, that's how we was dressing. Yeah. So, and then what ended up happening was, like, my mom wanted us to go to the school on the north side, which was where most of the, like, white, Jewish, like, everybody that wasn't black went mm. there, you know? And so we went up, we went to school, excuse me, school in school. We went to school there, and um, and uh, yeah, and it was like the first time that I was hearing rock music. Even though I know rock music was from Chuck Berry, and mm-hmm. like you know, you had Chuck Berry and you had Jimi Hendrix and Prince. They they were making rock yeah, music yeah. as well too. Like you know, so it wasn't like the first time. Like I know the origins of rock music. So, um, but it was like my granddad listened to blues and rock. You know, yeah. but it was like. Chuck Berry rock. It wasn't like Elvis rock. So, um, but it was the first time I was listening to like alternative rock. Like what? Incubus. So, you know, like I remember going to the gym and working out and Incubus was playing and I didn't even know who it was and Evanescence and like this type of music. And I was like, 
And I was talking like, damn, my friends, like my friends were different now. Mm. So they were listening to this in the car. And I'm like, I don't even know what this is, but I like it, you know, because <laughs> I like music. I'm a music like fan. I love music. Uh, so. If you're a music person, then something new comes into your ear. I think that changes. If it's so good. Much. Yeah. yeah. If it's good, you just rock with it. Right. Mm. So, um, yeah, like, geez, I, um, yeah, so I ended up just picking up different music. I really f- liked Incubus. That was my, like, shit, mm. you know, like, and they, it kind of changed my way I started listening to music and the type of music I started listening to. Because back in back then, if you were in the South, you listened to Southern music. Mm. And if someone's playing some West Coast stuff or some New York stuff, you're like, why are you playing that here? You know, so for me, it was like, whoa, I'm listening to everything now. Taking all kind of music from this side, from there, from Chicago, from New York, Incubus, this, that, mm. like chili, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I was like, whoa, this is different. And then that's when I started seeing the way people dress, like the Red Hot Chili Peppers or yeah. um, Aerosmith. Pink is my favorite <laughs> color. Like that's in my <laughs> mind, you know, and I, I was like, whoa, this, this is different. Yeah. You know, it's so different than what I'm seeing. And then VH1, watching VH1 was just like, and watching No Doubt and, and Pink, yeah. you know, like that really, I was like, damn, this is cool. Yeah. I like this. And that I I think from there, like, it's almost like taking like a psychedelic for the first time. You mm. you just switch. And once you switch, once you're on, you're just on. So and that becomes the music then that really sticks with you in the end. Yeah. yeah. And I like, look at me now. Yeah. Well, I was going <laughs> to say, like, it's stayed with you yeah. but kind of in an elevated different form it looks like yeah. what what's your style kind of turned into now i guess uh, how do you describe I'm, it i'm i'm i typically keep black clothes i'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I'm a collector of rick owens so oh yeah right there yeah you go. most of my i would say 80 percent of my wardrobe is rick owens now yeah which is collected over time to be honest which i did one big drop yeah <laughs> I got rid of everything in my closet. I had bought Rick Owens for the first time in like 2014, mm. 2000, yeah, so 2015. So I got my first pair of Geo baskets, and I was like so happy. I was in LA and Melrose, and I like went to this store. They had a pair brand new in a box, and just I was like, oh my gosh, how can I afford this? <laughs> I was on there doing a shoot actually. Um, shoot paid like really well, so I was like. Was five hundred bucks, you know? So you know. I bought it. Yeah, you know, and that just changed the game after that. So after that, I was like, "Those are my shoes." Yeah, hooked. Yeah. So um, where's the shirt from? The shirts. Oh, uh, this is a this is a Japanese brand. Oh, I forgot the name. Um, forgot the name. It's called Home. Like you know, like uh, Vogue Home. Yeah. H O M M E. Yeah. So it's called Home. Boy, yeah, okay, nice. Yeah. Got in. I bought it in Japan, Japan from this like uh kind of designer select shop. They mm. sell like, but I I feel like it's a play off of uh um John um Gaultier, John Paul Gaultier, yeah, yeah. like JPEG. Yeah, mm. I feel like it's kind of like a play off JPEG. You wear it really well. It's just like it's relaxed and just the color looks really good. I, I think know. it's me. <laughs> yeah, no. It, when I you find something that is represents you, it's yeah. like that's. What else can you ask for when you find the right brands, you know? You know what's funny? You know what's funny? So, like, we haven't even talked about what I do creatively. No, and that's where we're getting into the next step. Okay. (laughs) So, the funny thing is that um, anything that I wear, I swear to you, anything I wear, it looks good. (laughs) I love the confidence. Anything that I 
I promise you anything that you can grow and grab, I can make it look good. And it, I don't know what that comes from, but I think it comes from, you know, my dad, when I was younger, he used to take us to go to um, thrift shops. Mm. And he used to always say to us, like, two people actually impacted me. Um, one was my dad. He used to, he didn't buy designer clothes, but he used to always get compliments. Man, Rico, they call him Rico. I'm actually a junior, so we got the same name, but they call him Rico back home. So Rico, oh my gosh, you know, he's in the nightlife club scene. He was like club owner, promoters and stuff like this. So he's like, Rico, you, you, you could look so nice. And they didn't even know most of the time he was just buying like secondhand suits for 20 bucks. And then yeah. he's wearing it with like wingtip shoes. And people are like, whoa, your dad is cool. You yeah. know, this he is the most stylish man in the city. You know, that's, that's kind of where it came from. And he told me, he used to say, you don't like, you don't like, he, I didn't even know what designer brands were. So it was pick out stuff and put it together. Mm. So y'all go in there, pick out some stuff. And then put it together and see, let me see what you got. You know, and that's how he approached us with style. So that's amazing. That's clearly stuck with you then with a lot of things that you do, including yeah. your creative work. Mm. So you, you mentioned you were in Korea. Mm -hmm. um, you're teaching English as yeah. a teacher, a second language. Yep. Did you continue traveling from there? Did you ever go back home or? Um, yeah. So the, the journey had just started, mm. to be honest yeah, with yeah. you. Um, just started. <laughs> that was like... So, um, you caught the bug there. It was like, gosh. So, I did that. I went to Korea. Well, I was in Korea. This was I came in Seoul, was it? Seoul. Or? Yeah. Well, I was living outside of Seoul, like mm. four hours outside of Seoul. But I, every every moment I had an opportunity, I would jump on the bus and just go four hours into the city. Yeah. $10 for the bus ride, get in the city, and I'm there. And, like, oh, I, I fell in love with Seoul. I was like, first time I seen people wearing different clothes and different styles. and I was like, whoa, you know, I had always wanted to go to Japan, but I was like, how can I afford Japan? Japan's too expensive. Like, maybe I'll just go to uh, uh, Tokyo, and I mean, Seoul instead, you know. Mm. And I was in Seoul just like, whoa, mesmerized. Um, I, because I thought I was so cool, right, and all the kids there used to call me kanji because I was buying all these cool Korean brands, and they never seen a black dude was just wearing clothes like me. Everybody, all the black dudes that was there, if there were any, it was military, mm. and they were wearing very hip-hop, baggy, you know, not interesting stuff unless you're into hip-hop, hip-hop right. culture, like 50 Cent, doo -doo, you know, mm. like all this stuff. So, um yeah, I'm wearing the stuff that they're selling in their stores because I'm slim, you know, and I got this, I got like the body type that they ha either some of them have mm. in terms of like the slim and the, like the T shape. And they were like, whoa, this guy's cool. So they used to call me Kanji, Kanji, Kanji. And I was like, what the fuck? I thought it was some like derogatory racist mm. shit. And they were like, no, that means cool. Yeah. But if they say K kanji, it means fucking awesome. So I was <laughs> like, I like that. Okay, okay. So I was like, yeah, fucking kanji kill swag. And it was, I was like, oh shit. Mm. I'm gonna I'm call my self kanji kill swag when I meet them. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Because swag culture is from Atlanta, mm. like the swag culture. And then. I always felt like the style there. Remember, I was telling you before, I didn't really like the the boxes that they were put in, mm. putting people in. You had to be like this, dressed like this, in order, you know. So I was, I was like, kanji. The style here in Korea is cooler than the style in Atlanta. Yeah. Kanji kills swag, and that's yeah. where it came from, yeah. the name. So, um, so yeah, you, and you were using that for yourself 
so in your work or just kind of casually or I was using that actually at the time I hadn't even owned the camera, never bought a camera, mm. never shot a camera. I didn't I didn't even know how to use a camera. Right. The whole my whole life, you know, so it wasn't until that moment that it was like this burst of creativity just <laughs> shot out of me. And I was like, damn, okay, what can I do? Can you kiss white? Can you kiss white? <laughs> Maybe what I can do is I can take some pictures of myself because hmm. they think I'm cool. And I what year is this? This is 2000, like the beginning of 2012. Okay. Like, like January, February. Just came out of Christmas, yeah. so um, and I was like, maybe, and I had just broke up with my ex, so I was really like, I wanted to do something, mm. you know, I wanted to show her that she's wrong. She called mm. me stupid, and um, she's cool now. She, <laughs> she, she works at Google or something like yeah, that, yeah. Now. but she called me stupid, and I was like, I don't like that, you know, because I feel like I'm a lot more intelligent than you. You trying to portray me as, but sometimes you need those things to just kind of push you into this new yeah. direction, which clearly it did. Yeah, shout out to her. She did actually uh, inspire me to um, want to be great. So yeah. in terms of her calling me stupid, but okay. So I, I, I find, found the name Country Kiss Swag. I was like, I want to shoot my own personal style. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I was like, I don't own a camera. Mm. Maybe I'll buy a camera. I got my like first or second check. It's like boom. Let me go to the store. Went to this like these. They got these techno marks all over. Yeah, so, yeah. so so I went to the techno mart. And you go in there. It's like ten floors of cameras and cameras and cameras and camera equipment and radio equipment. So I went in there. I was like, hey, I want to buy this. How much you got? I was like, I got like four hundred bucks. Uh, can I get a camera? Camera knows too bigger than that. And he's like, yeah, you can take this and we'll give you this lens. And here's a little bag. So I, that was like, that's the start. Yeah. I had the little baby. At time, I didn't even. I I didn't want to be a photographer. So I would go to the, I would go back to my four hours away to my countryside town, and I would just try to find little places to take pictures at. Mm. And what camera do, was it? Do you it know? Was a, it was a Canon three fifty D. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So um, and and I would take the little sorry four fifty D, and I would take the um, and I had the little trigger, little, little trigger, and then I would go there and take the and then <laughs> t- change it up, and, you know, and that just kind of like. I started putting it on the, online, and I was like, man, this is boring. Maybe I'll take pictures of other people. Mm. And then I wasn't even aware that people were doing that. You know, it was a trend in New York. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. until I started putting it on Instagram and putting it on Facebook. Because if you can go to Facebook now, you can see Kanji Kiswai. You can see my old stuff from a long time yeah. ago on there. Go you on know? There. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I ended up going to... Um, to Germany, I did that for like a year. It was like met a lot of cool people there as well. A lot of a lot of people that, yeah, I I, I like in today too. And um, uh, had a lot of experiences there, a lot of ups and downs. Um, and then I went. I was like, you know, what? I want to go back to Japan. I mean, Asia. I was I had got a job to go back to Korea. I was like, no, you know what? If I go back to Korea, one of my friends was like, why would you go back to where you just came from? Mm. Keep it go going. somewhere new. And so I said, all right. He said, maybe, why don't you apply for Japan, Tokyo? You used to want to go there. I said, all right, cool. I'll apply for Tokyo. I applied for Tokyo. And um, this job was like, yeah, can you come in two weeks? And I was like, like leave now? Like like two weeks from now. Yeah. What kind of work? Um, teaching again. Teaching again. So um, I did that, got the visa. I went there. A week later, I was working. It. I ended up hating the place I was working at, and I quit. I didn't have any money. I quit, and it was like 
oh, I swear, a week later, I got casted for a Takio Kikuchi runway show. No way. Yeah. Where did that like, come from? My friend was like, yo, um, Takio Kikuchi's doing this. He didn't even tell me. He said, hey, man, you... You want to get like a you you want to try like do this casting because I I told him I need I'm like man I, don't, I need some money I don't have money I spent mm-hmm. all my money in Germany living there one year no job like I don't like I need money he said okay and I came here this company me over and like I'm screwed up now like they took my last check and ended up giving me five hundred out of out of a, yeah. ch- a check because they said that they had to cover all these other expenses because of me so I was like so he said look what I can do is I can try to get you a casting. I went to the cast and I, I get there. I have no experience as a, I do have an experience as a model, but it wasn't the level like Japan mm. was, you know, in terms of like their industry. Yeah. So I had a little bit of model experience in Korea because I was doing the street style stuff. People was like, oh, this guy's cool. Let's yeah. put him in our clothes. And then I got like little bitty jobs and yeah. stuff, $200, $300. But not like what I was doing when I was in Japan. So um, I did that casting. The designer, I didn't even know anything about it. It was just like, hey, as soon as I got there, it was like, hey, take take your jacket off. Um, it's like all these guys, like all these they call them boys, all these boys lined up. And then I got out there and I was like, okay. And it was like, hey, look, um, just walk. And I had like these old dirty like converses on with these old baggy like trouser pants rolled up, and then I had my shirt tucked in, and I used to wear a little fedora like that because yeah. I came out of this kind of style. Yeah. But it was like I was kind of in like the, the ghost look, you know, in the city look with my little um my uh uh, Sky John jacket. He's like those Japanese jackets that say Japan on it. Yeah, yeah. I was wearing that, and he's like, "Take the jacket off. Take the. Can you walk?" And I was like, "Sure." And then I just went in a room, and it's like a line of people, like at the end of the table, and then in the middle is a guy in a wheelchair. He's a designer for the brand Taka Kikuchi, and I was like, "Okay." He's like a godfather to like. He's like up there with like Yoshi, like. Yoji Yamamoto, he's up there with, like, Izumiyaki. He's in that, like, bracket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I walk, and I walk back, and he said, Hey, what you do? And then, I like, I didn't know what that means. It means one more time. So I was like, fuck, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did my walk. He said, oh, ine. Come And then he brought me over, and they just started putting clothes on me, and they took my picture and said, okay, thank you. And I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. I left. And then the, the the director of the casting came and said, man, they like you. Um, Okay, give me a line. I gave him my line, and that just started a whole... From that point, my I got my first show, but not only did I get my first show, because he liked me so much, they talked about me mm. to other designers, and I got ended up getting... Five runway shows. My first. You're kidding. First five runway shows in Tokyo Fashion Week. Unreal. Five runway shows, and and in his show, I opened and closed it. Four looks. Unreal. Crazy. And the first time. I'm in the gap. Really? You can look in the gap. You can look in the gap mag. You know the gap. The yeah, gap yeah, mag, yeah, yeah. Like the the magazine that tells you about all the runway shows. Yeah, yeah. I'm in there. You can look several looks, and I'm like, whoa. Yoshio Kubo, Take Kikuchi, oh, fuck, man, there were so many brands. Um, I don't remember. Um, but, yeah, that's how everything started. And then from there, I ended up getting Uniqlo jobs. I ended up in, getting... In modeling. Yeah, modeling. Oh, Gap, really? Gap right. jobs, I ended up... Um, all in uh, Japan? Opening ceremony, yeah. Right. Open, and, then, and then I popped off there, and all my Korean people knew who I was, and they, they friends had just started brands. Yeah. It was going back and forth. 
every I swear it was like I quit my job to a week later I was popping off like and God. and it was so so crazy you know you made the right decision when it's like <laughs> I it, w- it was like as much as I like being a model and I like how I can get invited to all these places I really want to um I really want to be a photographer that's what I or you were seeing it, um, um, like, with your work as well. So yeah. it's like, that must have kind of influenced, uh, well, what's the next step of this? You know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I started doing that and uh, shooting more. And it wasn't good, to be honest with you. Looking back on it, it wasn't good. I thought it was good. I thought I was, like, top shit. I was like, yeah, I came from Korea. I was in Japan. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I was like, nah, man, it's not good. But it's good because your passion is there. Oh yeah, and, they, and it's they it's fantastic that. that you see that now because that means you've obviously grown so much. I mean, oh, man, one We're, of the reasons worlds apart. One of the reasons why I kind of wanted you to come here. I, I was following you on Instagram, and your work really is it's fun, and I think very experimentative and kind of there's a throwback, but very modern at the same time. Mm. Where does that all come from in your shooting? I mean. How did you start working professionally? Oh, in yeah. Okay. So I got this one job. There's a company called Frank 151 in New York. Mm-hmm. It's Frank yeah. 151. It's like a kind of like a subculture. I don't know what you call it. But the guy who started it, Frank, he had a friend named Lentado, which is a Japanese guy who happened to be living in New York. Lentado came back to Japan. And one of my friends is named Jesse. He goes by Tokyo. Was here. He has an agency. Um, representing artists and stuff he he's like man you know what i like you man i really want to represent i want i want to introduce you to people to get, help you get jobs and i was like yeah cool man he and he brought me to the meeting and we sat down very japanese guy you know it's like cool but he likes me he likes american he likes black culture in america it's like yeah okay cool uh, maybe we can do a shoot together how about you come back next week and then i came back and i ended up um we ended up working things out i ended up doing like my first shoot for fame 151 japan little bitty jobs did like just like these collaboration with these uh these artists collaborating with frank 151 and i was shooting like the lookbooks at the time in in germany i had got exposed to studio work right okay so and then when i came back to japan when i quit that job remember i told you i was flying back and forth from Mm. japan my friend owns a studio in gangnam or um, chengnam dong which is in Gangnam, um, in Seoul, in Seoul. So I was actually during the downtime when I wasn't modeling. Mm. He has a humongous studio. I was like, man, can I? Can you teach me how to do studio lighting and stuff? I don't know yeah, how yeah. to do. Th-. So he taught me. Learned the studio lighting that way. Also, when I was in Germany, a friend named Annie C.K. She's she's a photographer there, and she was, um, you know, she showed me. Oh, you can use my lights anytime. Come over. That's so I was using, good. and I was kind of learning, but. I, obviously, you can't just learn anything in like two months, three mm. months, four months. It takes time to like really like. I'm still learning stuff now, but I'm more so learning how to create my own look. Yeah, yeah, you know, own aesthetic, whether that be via lens or light. So sometimes you don't even need lights; you can be just have your own style, right? Yeah. So um, that's how I got into it from the Frank job, and then from the Frank job, I'm <laughs> I was shooting this guy who happens to be an editor for Hypebeast. Yeah. Um, and then he ended up reaching out to me, like, after we shot for a second time. He ended up, Hase, shout out to Hase. Um, and he ended up reaching out to me. He's like, yo, man, you think you can cover the Supreme drop? 
so I was like, sure. Okay. Yeah, so I just was like, just go out there and just take pictures of people. And I was like, all right, cool. And I did that. Boom, 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 boom. I just started getting, like, work for, like, two years from, from Hypebeast. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. And so, that's, a, I mean, that's at the time as well, a really big growing yeah. publication, yeah. online publication. And, and then Hypebeast was hiring me to do modeling jobs and I was shooting. Yeah. So it was like crazy. Um, yeah, I was doing that, learning video editing. Um, brands like Adidas was coming to Tokyo and they needed a person that can speak English to work with them, but also knew the city. Mm. I was getting so many jobs like crazy like even to the point where like i was about to like be doing really big jobs with nike japan yeah right when covid hit. oh you're kidding right until recently <laughs> if i tell you how many jobs i lost because of covid yeah you'd be crazy you'd be like yo i can't believe that shit but yeah it's the worst thing when your kind of career is starting to kind of take off and then well i had just got gq I st- so i was shooting for gq japan for like a year and a half hmm. right before covid so um, and I had met an editor, DJ Poi Poi, shout out to him as well. Um, I had met an editor in Tokyo and at a bar, um, just hanging out in a bar because I had left Tokyo to come to Sydney because I met my partner here and I was like, you know, I want to get out of Japan. I've been there too long. So I want to go to, I want to go to Sydney. She's here. So how did you meet in, in Australia? I met her or in, Tokyo. In, in Tokyo. Yeah. And yeah. in, in a bar in Tokyo. Um, and you know, we just stayed connected you know, and then after like two years of long distance, I was like, you know, won't you come here? She didn't want to go there. So I ended up coming here. Um, and then at the same time, I'm still a resident in Japan. So I'm flying back and forth every month because I started an online business called Beginning Film, a camera business that mm-hmm. we sell vintage um, film cameras. Um, and we still got it going on. Beginning Film, um, you can Google it. or but just I think initially how I found you was through the, the, the Instagram, which uh, was um, great because it's... I. Another question: Where did that kind of interest in vintage kind of? Uh, I needed a way to. I needed. <laughs> I needed a way to pay for my uh, living expenses and travel expenses to yeah. come back and forth. So it just kind of like worked out. And were you collecting things? When, no, no. Uh, I had bought like a Mamiya RZ yeah. um, Pro Two back when they were like cheap. You can get it for like a thousand dollars. And I had like three lenses with it, no four lenses with it, and I had the it was p- premium condition. And then like, I was like, damn. This place got these cameras for one dollar, and in Korea and in Australia they sell them for like a hundred hundred dollars. It's a clear business decision. It's like, woo, yeah, smart, very yeah. smart. Like, yeah, we made a pretty good amount of money. Yeah. That. So, um, so what for you yourself now, kind of being in Sydney, you feel like it might be a long term thing. I don't know. <laughs> it's. Seems like maybe not. <laughs> no, you know what? Like I, any, what's long term for me? Because I'm I'm 34 now, so I'm ready to settle down, mm. you know, and find a place where I can call home home and and work and grow. It's about growth, and if you can't grow somewhere, I don't know if that's the place for me. You know, wherever I can grow at, wherever I can, you know, um, see prosperity at in my own career. Mm. And success at that's where my home is at. So, if I find that here, you know, Sydney can very well be my home. Mm. You know, but I need inspiration and I need a few things. And um, I find I get a little bit of that in Melbourne. I feel like they're a little bit more geared to, like I can walk in and they're like, I get him. I already mm. know. I understand him. I I really know who this guy is already. 
is that, you know, so, and that's how I feel. And so within that, I'm learning to try to um, adapt a little bit of the Sydney style, not Sydney style, but the way they deliver it, you mm. know. Well, I, I feel like it's bringing your personal style and kind of not adapting, but kind of making it work for kind of what the brands yeah. are here, what the creatives are kind of looking for and stuff like that. And it's, yeah. that's going to make you the point of difference, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. It's different personalities, though, you know. Oh, and, yeah. And the appreciation for things that's not what they grew up with is a mm. little bit different. Like, you know, they they appreciate it. It's about the delivery. I think the delivery is so important here. It's not like the packaging mm. or how it looks or the taste. It's more the delivery. And I think that's what I'm learning, like how to work on my delivery, you know, instead yeah. of, you know, I can't be like the guy coming in, yo, what's up, hey, everybody, you ready? Mm. I can't be this like, overexcited, exuberant person. I have to kind of be like, yeah. You have to be wet, yeah. Hi, um, they like the modesty. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, there's so much that we could talk about on the creative side, you know, maybe bring it back for a day two. <laughs> yeah, that would like be that. another one for sure, another yeah, Because we, we, I kind of feel like I brushed through 10 years <laughs> of like, you know, I'm not like two years in the game, you know, I could talk so much about Yeah. Uh, Frederick, yeah. thank you so much yeah, for sharing your story. I'm and not that arrogant, by the way. No, for no. For listeners, I'm just, you know. You... Uh, just stand the test of time. Well, you know, know what I'm you resilient. are. Yeah, and it's. I think people could think whatever they want, really, yeah. but it's you are confident in kind of what you're doing and you have a goal, and I think that's refreshing, especially here in Australia. So it's like, hang on to that, and I'm sure people are going to be inspired by it. I'll never lose that. <laughs> and maybe I'll get a podcast. Maybe you guys will hear me on uh, the second show. Maybe. Maybe I'll be the, be the stepping in host. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, thanks, May. Appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Men in This Town, the podcast, produced by Mitwork and recorded at Pocket Studio in Sydney. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate and leave a review wherever you're listening. And as always, thanks for your support.